0: Welcome to the SCA Lectures Podcast Series, brought to you by Olam Specialty Coffee, connecting roasters to the finest specialty green coffees. The following is a talk presented live at the 2017 Global Specialty Coffee Expo, the largest annual gathering of specialty coffee professionals.
1: Welcome to SCA Seattle. My name is Tom Palm from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and my background is not coffee restaurant equipment, sinks, refrigerators, fryers, char broilers. Based in Minneapolis, anybody heard of Caribou Coffee? Like second largest to Starbucks, back in the mid 90s, everybody wanted to open up a Caribou-like coffee shop. Somehow, I got labeled as a coffee guy, helping them with the kitchen equipment, the health codes, the contractor. So, for the last 21 years, I've done nothing but coffee shops from Alaska to Rwanda. So what I'm going to do here is try and go through things that people have problems with, try to save you some time and some money in the next hour. Prior to getting involved in the family restaurant equipment business, third generation since 1910, I taught sixth grade math and coached. So now I'm in front of a bunch of students that are excited to be here, willing to learn, so that's fun. So that's a little bit about myself. Um, they told me to remind you about the download and the apps. Tell me, raise your hands, who's just researching this industry, thinking about getting into it? And you're here just to learn. About a 30 Who's actively looking for a location? You're gonna do it when the right spot shows up. Excellent. Anybody signed a lease in the process of the build-out? This is really even. Who's got a store? Who's got three stores or more? All right, you're my experts. I got my eye on you. So when I get stuck, I'm going to call on you and say, help me. All right, so just to bring everybody up to speed, we're going to open the cafe in about four or five minutes. And then we're going to go back and talk about what we did and why we did it. So you're driving around. You're looking for a for lease sign, a spot to rent. Might be brand new. It might just be a concept. You look at the different um, sizes they have available. Do you want 2,000 square feet or maybe it's 1,000 square feet? You look at the demographics. Is it growing, shrinking, income? How many people live within that 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 mile radius? You decide that corner spot is perfect. You got a lot of residential, you got a school. on the main road out to the highway. You've got business, hotels going up here. Great spot for a cafe. Single story building. Dirt floor. No walls, no restrooms. It's pretty much yours to design as you want. You go see the building and the health departments. You put together your floor plan based on your menu we'll talk about. You put together the elevations, the plumbing, the electrical, the spec sheets. You get your contractor bids, now you got your permit in your hand. Contractor says, Come on out. In a day or so, we'll kind of talk about how things are going. You show up and you see this. And you think he might have picked up the wrong set of plans because he just tore it apart. But he's putting underground plumbing in for uh, the cafe, the restrooms. Cement truck comes, pours the floor, floor dries, walls go up. There's lots of plumbing electrical in those walls in the cafe or any food service operation. You stop out to visit the contractor again and ask him how things are going. And he says, oh my gosh. We're way ahead of schedule. And we're way, way, way under budget. <laughs> right? You guys that have cafes, exactly, right? And you look a little closer. Mr. Project Manager do I really trust a guy that puts his sweatshirt on inside out? <laughs> but he's a good guy. He's doing a good job. And they keep moving along. They, they tape the walls. They paint. They tile. The back room's ready for equipment. Truck shows up. Unloaded. Driver says, sign here. You have no clue what you just got. So... He says, happy birthday, and you start unboxing these coffee shop presents. Wheel them into the cafe. The back room's getting set up. You got refrigeration and work tables, sinks and shelving. Now it's time for the front and back service counters. You got a drive-through window back here. You got uh, some doors to hang, countertops go on, some, some new paint. some menu boards, some trim. The seating arrives and gets set up. People are excited to sit up here at the bar and watch this new thing called espresso drinks, blended drinks. It's kind of like the, the show that's going to be put on because they don't have anything like this in this town. Nice corner booth for small groups or business meetings. You're ready to open, train the staff, the, everything's priced, uh, the POS is all dialed in. So. Next morning, that sign's coming down, a retro roast. You can't sleep. Everybody says, this is great. Build it, they'll come. And you just kind of go with, you know, there's no turning back now. So you take the sign down, turn on the lights. People are brewing coffee, getting things all ready. And there's somebody sitting at the drive-thru when they're waiting to be the first customer. So you're excited about that. At least you got one. Now you just need another 10,000 of those in the next month, right? You turn around. People sitting there having coffee, enjoying, just loving the place. Nice day. People are outside in the patio. Wednesday, boy, all that corner seat's being filled up. People are having fun. Thursday, it's packed. Friday, there's a line out the door. You thank the people coming in, thank them for their business, get to know their names. Staff's working as hard as they can to prepare the drinks as efficiently and properly as possible. And people are waiting in line to sit at the bar to watch this whole orchestrated operation. Word gets back to Boston. New cafe, a new bar in Minnesota. At this rate, they're going to take over as the number one bar in the country. People in Boston got a little worried. People from Cheers, they sent out a representative, sent out Cliffy. What's going on? I'm a little nervous. And he calls back to, you know, and says, no worries. These guys are doing those foo-foo latte drinks. This isn't a real bar. But while he's there, signs some autographs. Does a little Nemo impersonation for the kids. A few photo ops. And it's a nice week. You did well. A little better than projections. So you've been working on this for a year. And you deserve a little present for all your hard work. So you buy one of these. (laughs) Just at the end of the first week, right? (laughs) You bought the Lamborghini, right? Two of them? All right. All right, so that's kind of opening up a cafe from my world. Um, Let's talk about in the handout, here's what we're gonna talk about. Review the building health codes, decide what's on your menu, selecting the right equipment, designing the floor plan, how long does it take, and some of the mistakes that can cost you lots of money. So let's start on page three, building and health codes. Kind of boring, but extremely important. Building codes. These are the kind of things that are involved with the building inspector parking and zoning and ADA, restrooms, ventilation, grease traps, permits, signage. So let's talk about that in, and all these are in the handout. You have a handout, sir? Just taking pictures of the slides. It's all right in there. All right. Um, so let's talk about a little story here. You're going to open up your dream cafe. It's a perfect location. It's on Main Street. It used to be a flower shop that was in, you know, the third generation didn't want to take it over. This spot hasn't been vacant for 40 years. Lots of people want it. The flower shops wants it, the realtor wants it, the bookstore wants it, the salon wants it, and you want it. And the landlord says, you don't sign this thing literally today or tomorrow, it's gone. So you sign the lease, quit your job, put together all the contractor plans, and you submit the plans to the city for your beautiful new cafe on Main Street. Your dream cafe just became a nightmare. Here's why. A flower shop is considered retail. The coffee shop is considered food service. If you went into a 1,500-square-foot flower shop except for Valentine's Day. There's probably six or eight people in there. 1500 square foot coffee shop might have 35 people in there. So building codes say based on occupancy you need to supply parking. And you only had four parking stalls but the cafe building inspector said it needed 14. You go well, what about all this open main street parking? I thought that worked. No. That's kind of general parking, but they want you to have designated parking. Because if you are super, super successful, the hardware store, the real estate agent, or the bookstore down the street will hate you because you're taking up all the parking spots. So they want you to have designated parking. So make sure before you sign a lease that you have enough parking to support your operation. Flower shop. One door in, same door out. It's back there. If I went off to this side, let's call it the bookstore. That side was a beauty salon, and if I walked out the back, I'd drop out eight feet in somebody's yard. There's no way in or out except that front door. That was fine because the flower shop only occupancy load was quite small. But you start to get into bigger spots, fire marshals will say, I need a secondary exit far away from that one, probably in the back, that's accessible to customers. And they don't let you go through the kitchen, the back room, to get out the back door. So your delivery door doesn't count as a emergency exit. So the spot you signed can't even be a cafe, because it needed a secondary exit, and there's nowhere to put it. So it's done. It's over. Flower shop had one little, tiny restroom back here in the corner for the employees. Built in 1940, I mean, you can wash your hands, flush the toilet without moving your feet and open the door. So you figure, no problem, we can just grow that a little bit. And then you find out you needed two restrooms, and they're seven by seven, approximately 88 accessible. That took up some space, and it, you know, six $7,000 a restroom. Also, with ADA, when you walked into the flower shop, you walked up two steps, opened the door, and walked in. That's kind of nice, no big deal. But now, American Disability Act, handicapped access, you can't have stairs. So now what you have to do is take the stairs out and build a ramp for every inch there's a foot. That's about 14 inches. I'm all the way back here with a four or five foot wide ramp that just wiped out retail or seats or condiment counters. The other thing, when I walked in here, the door swung in. Now, if there's a fire and everybody panics, they hit the wall, the door, and it's swinging in. Joe, could you back up into the inferno so we can all get out up here? You know, back up three feet. So doors need to swing out so if there's a panic, the door opens, everybody spills on the sidewalk. Landlord says, no problem, we can fix that. We just reverse the door hinge. Swing it in. Or I'm sorry, swing it out. So now, people are walking down the sidewalk, and enjoying the nice day, checking out their Facebook page, and bam! The door swings out into the sidewalk and clocks these people. So if the door swings out, it can't encroach on the public po- sidewalks. So now i got to make a vestibule and recess it in. Kind of starting to hear the nightmare? We're not done. <laughs> the flower shop had a little 100-amp electrical panel. Find or run some lights, little, little coolers. You're going to need a 200-amp panel for sure. Refrigerators, freezers, panini grills, espressos, brewers, grinders, hot water dispensers, all right? You very well likely could use a 400-amp panel if you start doing the convection ovens, the dishwashers, the Turbo Chef oven type things. Okay, to go from 100-amp to two or 100 to 400-amps is expensive, very expensive sometimes. So that's an upgrade that's on your ticket because you signed the lease. Also, the HVAC system, the heating air conditioning unit on the roof. I'm in Minnesota. They don't even turn the heat on in the middle of winter because of all the heat that's generated from all the compressors. Refrigeration doesn't put cold air in, it takes heat out. Where's it go? In your cafe refrigerator, freezers, ice machines, under counters, not to mention the 35 nice warm bodies in the fireplace. All right, so in the winter you're fine, but in the summer now you have to start to cool that down. And if it's 90 degrees outside, high humidity, and you got a little three ton, you wish you had a six, because people aren't gonna come sit there for very long because it's as hot inside as it is outside. So check out what's up on the roof Use that as a guide. It's in your heat, though. One ton for every 250 square feet. Now, it's easy to get rid of the heat if the contractor can put some sort of a exhaust fan that's on a thermostat. Just, the heat will rise, and it just goes. And then close it off in the wintertime. A couple other things. If you get into big spots, 2,000, 22, 2,500 square feet, you might need a sprinkler system. Expensive. One spot, a historical building out in Richmond, Virginia. They started doing the construction and the contractor found out that the sewer line was only a three inch. I mean, this is built eons ago, historical building. Plumbing inspector said you're going to have to get it up to code, now you got to make it a four inch. And from where that was, they had to go through the entire building out to the street, it was a headache. I don't, that won't happen on a new project. But it might, if you decide to lease a very old one, that come come into play. Grease traps, what's that? It's a box, sits by the three compartment sink, stainless steel filters that the water goes through to clean it out before it goes downstream to the waste treatment facility. And you go, I don't do grease. I'm not doing french fries, broiler griddles. I'm serving coffee. Building inspector. Plumbing inspector says, you serving soup? Yeah, maybe. Well, that's grease. Did anybody put a pat of butter on that blueberry muffin or bagel? Oh, of course. That's grease. I've had them say that milk is grease. Okay? So that grease trap can be minimal, but it can be expensive. So check that out. And I've had health departments say, if you don't have a grease trap, I don't care what your menu is. If you've got three compartment sink, put it in. Because your menu might change and I'm not going to fight you later. Signage, people look at this wonderful wall, beautiful visibility and they think, wow, I'm going to put you know, Joe's Cafe up there. Big letters. Then you go find out from the building inspector that the letters can only be more than eight inches tall. All right? So those are some of the things that the building inspector would deal with. Health Department doesn't care about any of this stuff. So there's two people to talk to, building and health, okay? Health Department cares about the equipment, the sinks, the refrigerators, the hand sinks, the floor, wall, ceiling finishes. Is it NSF, ETL or UL listed? That's independent agencies that test the equipment to make sure it's not toxic, it's easy to clean. And the refrigerator that you buy at the department store for your house, probably gets open six, eight times a day. The refrigerator underneath your espresso equipment probably gets open six or eight times an hour. So the refrigeration has to keep up to keep the product cold under those adverse conditions. So that's what they're looking for, a commercial piece of equipment that will keep food at the proper temperatures. Lighting. Last thing you want is broken glass. So they'll make you shield the lights with a lens or have plastic-coated fluorescent uh, bulbs in the tube. The ceiling, a lot of times that you go look at in leasing spaces are acoustical. Does not work for food prep or the service counters. It has to be smooth, easily cleanable, and acoustical tiles are not cleanable. So Mary's up making her first drink, first day in the job. She adds the ice, adds the puree, looks up, there's her boyfriend and hits the start button. Didn't put the lid on and blueberry smoothie flies out, ice cubes fly out, hit lights, broken glass, you got a mess. So the health department wants to make sure that glass can't break and if you do make a mess, it's easy to clean. We'll talk about shelving. They certainly, especially in California, have really strict rules on how much dry storage shelving you have. Ventilation might certainly will swing back and forth with building and health. If you have a piece of gas equipment, you've got to put a hood over it to exhaust unburned byproducts. But if you start putting meat products that create kind of grease-laden vapors, if you look at a panini grill on a back counter, at one of the cafes you visit, and the back behind it, the wall is yellow, means that's grease going up there, and it's health departments don't like that. If you're cooking meat, got to put a hood over it. Now, if it's enclosed convection ovens and all you're doing is baking, that's okay. If it's half size, sometimes they'll let you go by with a full size oven, but you can't go put, you know, meat products in there. The Turbo Chef. I think you've seen them at Starbucks, Subway, et cetera. Those are an enclosed cavity. So nothing gets exhausted. They actually got a catalytic converter in there that it, you know, incinerates everything. We'll get to talk about all the different sinks that the health department wants as well. So go to the health department, get their code book, online, checklist, here's what you need, food construction guide, and also go to the building inspector and get what their codes are. Page four. Now a little more fun stuff. What's on your menu? And as you're asking yourself that, you need to decide what items are going to be prepared on site and what items are going to be delivered from an outside vendor. It drastically affects your equipment needs. So typical coffee or typical coffee shop menu items Coffee, espresso drinks, tea, blended smoothie drinks, bottled water, juice, beer, wine, blueberry muffins, cakes, cookies, soup, salad, sandwich, panini, ice cream, and the list goes on. So take your menu, that will drive the equipment, and from that you can then start designing your cafe. Without having that buttoned up, It's pretty hard to put together a floor plan not knowing if you need freezer space or how much. So here's the typical food service equipment that every cafe will need, regardless of the menu, then we'll build on it. Everybody needs a mop sink to clean the floor. And those are usually 24-inch square fiberglass on the floor. They don't want the ones on legs because I can't take a dirty mop bucket full of water and lift it up and dump it in. They just want to take it and tip it over the edge, then hang the mop up on the wall so it drip dries into the mop sink. You need a hand sink in the back room where you're prepping or cleaning, one out front where you're serving, a three compartment sink, two drain boards, wash, rinse, sanitize, water heater, water filter, water softener possibly, an ice machine, refrigerator, work tables, and shelving. It's hard to have a menu of any extent whatsoever not having all that equipment. So on page six, we're going to start growing this. So I need for coffee, espresso, and pastry that's brought in off-site, I need a brewer, a grinder, an espresso machine, and espresso grinders. And I need a bakery case or a countertop display or something behind sneeze guards like at Panera, etc. So now the pastry's brought in. I put it in the display case. When they're gone, they're gone. I'm adding smoothies now. And i am now decided that I can't find a bakery. And if I did find a bakery that would deliver every morning at 5 a.m., it's too expensive. I'm just trading dollars. So I go to a food show and they have this thing called par-baked, partially baked. Bagels, cookies, scoop and bake items that you can do yourself and just finish them off in a convection oven like this. So for smoothies, I've got blenders, an under-counter refrigerator for purees and juices and milk and water, a rinse sink to rinse out that blender pitcher, an ice bin that just drops in the counter, holds 60 pounds of ice, doesn't make any noise, it's insulated, easy to access, and I need a freezer for those par-baked items that then go into the electric half-size convection oven, nice little stand with tray slides. So now I can do pastry on site, I've got blended drinks. Somebody says, Boy, it should be nice if you had something to eat for lunch. I got thirty minutes. And I'm really tired of Taco Bell and McDonald's. Be nice to get a half a sandwich and a soup and a coffee. Oh yeah, absolutely. Their background had, had some catering and restaurant work. So we're adding soup and you go to your food vendors. A lot of times the soup you're having at restaurants, it's frozen, it's in a bag. You thaw it, you cut it open, put it in the soup cooker, turn the knob, and 60 minutes later, you got soup of the day. And I bet a lot of the soup that you have at restaurants is done exactly like that. Now You can add things to it if you need to. A refrigerated case to display those sandwiches, and people will sell as many sandwiches between 6 and 9 in the morning as they will between 11 and 2. That's your busy time. And if they can get a sandwich that they can put in the company fridge, or they've got meetings all day long, they don't have time for lunch, or they got a long road trip, it's a contractor that puts it in their their ice box. Put them out there in the morning. You need a prep sink. And you go, what's that for? I got that big hand sink, three compartment sinks. If you wash a tomato, a strawberry, a blueberry, you can't... Do it in there. These bowls are 16 by 20. The three of them. You kidding me? Most of your houses, you got a two-compartment sink, and you do everything in there. You wash the dishes, you wash the produce, you put little baby junior on one side and give him a bath. She's whining, so you bring Rover and you stick Rover on the other side. You give them both a bath, and let them have fun, and you clean out the sink. Everybody's alive, right? So they're not picking on you people. This is just the rules of the health department with the sinks. The hand sinks, mop sink, three compartment sink, and now we've got a prep sink if you're washing any fruits or vegetables, which a lot of you do if you're doing fresh fruit smoothies or if you're making sandwiches on site. Then you have a little prep table, similar to what you'd see at like Subway, but this is self-contained. It has your meats and your cheeses and your lettuce and your onions and sauces. A panini grill, Turbo Chef Oven. Great items that you would need if you were going to serve soup, salad, and sandwiches. Ice cream, simple. Buy the ice cream, put it in there. It's a four-hole ice cream dipping cabinet or eight-hole dipping cabinet. You might get involved in gelato, beer, wine, cold brew. Simple stuff, not a lot of prep time. One thing on the gelato, if you buy the gelato... You know, from a vendor. Let's just say you order this gelato case, and it's kind of custom-made. It comes from Italy. It gets on a ship in a container. It comes all the way across the ocean. You don't know if it's going to arrive in time. And you're going to open, and here comes the truck three days early. And they lower it down on a liftgate truck. You uncrate it, and you take the gelato case. Door's three foot, that's 42 inches. (laughs) It's happened. So whatever you buy, people, make sure it'll fit through the door. Oh, I got a double door, no problems. Well, you forgot to say that there's a mullion right between it, then that's not easy to take out. Make sure that your millwork, your cabinetry that's made, they don't build it all at the shop and bring it on a big truck. Will it go through a three-foot door? Now, a three-foot door is not a three-foot door. It's not 36. It's probably more like 34, 33 and a half, with all the stripping, et cetera. These upright refrigerators, one-door, two-door, you tip them on their side. All right? Or on their back, and they'll go right through. But when you get into a three-door, people, you, it'll be a piece of paper above and below. You're sliding it on cardboard. It's that tight. So i kind of stick with two doors and one doors. All right, page eight. How to design your cafe. I divide it into twos. I got the front of the house, customers, back of the house, employees, cash registers, the dividing line. So there's the dividing line, there's the yellow back of the house, all the green is front of the house. Now I've been doing these shows for 20 years and people come down to our booth, show us their floor plans, What do you think? What do you think? I saw your seminar. I go, I'd love to see it. I learned from these things. And how many architects do we got here? Wonderful people, all right? But typically, they aren't food service experts, equipment experts. They do the lighting and the soffit and the look and the feel, but also help you with the building permits. If you're building a new building with footings, setbacks and drive-throughs, wonderful. But when it comes to a barista station, probably not. If they do have a lot of background in restaurant equipment, they're probably doing casinos and country clubs and big hospital kitchens. So, I get the plans, plans designed by the architect, and I said the cash register is a dividing line, and here it is. Okay, and they got all the seats, and they got the little Community area, and they got the retail, and it's just beautiful. I go, What's on your menu? And they go, Oh, we're doing coffee, espresso, smoothie drinks. Um, we got soup, salad, sandwiches, and the space they have is half of what they need because they didn't account for any of the refrigerator to the sinks, and all the shelving, and the work tables, and the convection oven, and the mop sink, and the water heater, you know. So here's their cash register and I say well in order to make this work I start moving the cash register line this way to give them space And they're just, I, didn't it. I, didn't it. I said well we can eliminate the soup salad I can't do that, that's in my menu I, I'll never make it Okay, so they start pushing the cash register line back this way to shrink the back of the house, I said you can't even open. The health department needs all those things. So you push it back this way. The point of this is start in the back. Start at the back door, get your menu and get the equipment in there as efficiently as possible that meets your menu requirements and then what's left over from that cash register to the front door, put in your tables and chairs. Whether it's a two-top, it's a round, it's a wall bench, it's soft seating. That stuff's kind of flexible, but you can't take a three compartment sink and make it a two and a quarter. They make different sizes. You can't... That's a fixed items that you have to have. Here you can adjust. Another thing people do is they want it to look just like their living room. And so I get these plans and I see this big 92-inch long couch next to the fireplace and two love sites on each side and I'm going yeah it's gonna look great but have you ever seen three people on a couch okay so excuse me I'm gonna sit right over here okay you guys are on the couch how you guys doing they don't even know each other if you can find that happen I you know put your couch in but if if you only have two people on a couch you have room for three, two people sat, you're running at 66% occupancy. If you're an airline, you're out of business. So if you put a couple of barrel chairs here, I'll sit right next to you with a common table. So it's the number of seating opportunities, not just the number of seats. A big table for 10 might work good at a college campus, but if three people sit down and start discussing next quarter's marketing plan and they spread out the whole table, you lose. So, start in the back, what's the menu? Menu will drive the equipment. Design it to minimize your labor cost. Employees have efficient workstations. There's a logical traffic flow, and customers know where to order and pick up. Kind of an overview. Page nine. Front of the house, green customer areas. It's kind of that identity. The, the, this is the interior designers. You don't, you know, anything goes. This one was in Rwanda. Natural woods and artwork. Big, thick logs and wood furniture for a log cabin up in Duluth, Minnesota. You know, different types of ceiling fans and soffits. You know, antique furniture works good because that's in a historical house. Different ways to do tile, sealed concrete. This is the 50s look with the checkerboard. Carpet squares on the floor. Different ways to do soffits. This is actually a car wash called liquid assets. That's a car right here. You drop it off at the other end, they vacuum it, they gas it up. You go in and watch CNN, get a coffee, and it pops out and you go drive away. Here's another way to do a soffit with some pendant lights. This is a nice big circular um, soffit over the coffee bar. Do you see this beautiful exposed ceiling? Remember I talked to you about the health department wanting a smooth, easily cleanable finished ceiling? What you're looking at right here is illegal. And the reason is that when the door opens, the big breeze comes through, that dead fly drops right in your soup, or your smoothie, or dust, or dirt. They want the food prep area to be smooth, cleanable, and not have all this exposed up here. Now if you look, that soffit follows the contour of the coffee bar. But out here where these chairs are, totally exposed. So what gives? So now I get my latte and I go sit down and the door opens and the dead fly drops in my drink after I've paid for it. That's okay. Alright? Little protein, never hurt anybody. But that's the health department rationale, you know? But so the prep area is fine, but once they go out there, whatever. Uh, You know, different ways to kind of drop down these little saucers. This is stuff I have no clue about. I didn't pick out a color on any of this stuff. I did the counters underneath all this stuff. Roasters, big ones, medium ones, small sample roasters you might see, fireplaces with wicker, island fireplaces, rock fireplaces, murals, maybe they tell a coffee theme. Things you see in the front of the house. Gives it that look and that brand identity. The back of the house is kind of boring. But I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to do the front of the house. That's you. That's what you want it to look like. That's the clientele you want to attract. If you want to attract college kids, you might just staple the front of your coffee bar with bean bags. You go down to Wall Street, it might be you know, brass and and glass and everything else. Doesn't matter. It's who you are and what you want to look like. That log cabin would look pretty stupid in Key West. Okay, it works perfect up in northern Minnesota. So there's no right or wrong way to do the front of the house. And the reason is that if the wall is green or blue or pennant lights or track lights, the ice machine will make ice. It doesn't know. It doesn't care what color the walls are. All right? That's me. You know, if I got an ice machine for your menu, you know, it, that, that, that's beside the point. So the decor does not drive the layout, in my opinion. So I think there's a right and a wrong way to do the back of the house. Front of the house is you. Back of the house, I think it needs to be efficient, and it's, there's rights and wrongs. You got sinks, shelving. Work tables, prep tables, refrigerators, convection ovens, lots of shelving we'll talk about, water heaters, softeners, mop sinks, blender stations, drive-through windows, brewer stations, sinks, backside of espresso, barista stations. Those are kind of the service counter back-of-the-house stuff. So if you take this simple floor plan that we worked with these people back in the 90s, I got a front counter, back counter, and I got a kitchen storeroom. This is an actual floor plan, 700 square feet with common restrooms. If you go about putting your plan together, remember I taught sixth grade math, so this might be a little bit advanced, but take your plan and highlight all the equipment in the cabin tray, say with green. Highlight the aisles with red, or pick a color you should have about a two-part ratio of equipment to the aisle meaning I got equipment here, I got an aisle, I got equipment here, two to one ratio that's kind of a typical kitchen twenty-five feet, it's about nine feet take your menu, take your equipment and line this stuff up in the right order so I got a desk, put that far away, product comes to the freezer, goes in the fridge comes out, cut, chop, wash, back to the fridge, or maybe there's pastry items in a convection oven, out to the front. Dirty dishes come in, drop them here, wash, rinse, sanitize, maybe a dishwasher, drying area for dishes, dry storage, ice machine, water heater, mop sink. Get those things far away because you don't use these very often. Certainly not a water heater, you'll never touch it. Sometimes if you can elevate that and get it up in the ceiling, even better. All right Now, let's talk about this for a minute. So, math class. This is drawn up as a rectangle with two-to-one ratio. Do you see any equipment in there that's not a square or a rectangle? Come on, class. Water heater. There you go. Line this stuff up like boxcars on a train. And there's not one inch of space that's not being used here. you got to have the aisle, and usually that's about three and a half feet, okay? Line them up in the right order, and, because this doesn't make you money, people. This you just have to have to produce your product and meet the health codes. It's the front of the house that you want to you know, have as much billable square footage with tables, chairs, and retail as you can get. One other thing on this. I've had people come in with plans where they start to get kind of cute with the back room. Meaning, all of a sudden they put a curb into it. Or they do an angle. Well, if I take an angle, it's going to end up in nowhere land. There's no equipment that's triangular. Alright? So, you can't clean in the the dead corner back here. Alright? Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have an L-shaped. Okay? But don't be curvy and angly in the kitchen. You just won't get as much equipment in there. So there's your kitchen equipment before the equipment's installed. Quarry tile floor, FRP. FRP is fiberglass reinforced panels. You buy it at the the big box uh, hardware stores. It's like the inside of your shower stall, four by eight sheets. You put the glue on, put it up there with the strips and it's smooth, easily cleanable, reflects light, light colored, very, very durable. Health departments love it. And that's almost required behind any sinks. Quartile floor, inexpensive. You could do sealed concrete. But a lot of times you've got got to put this radius base that goes from the floor up the wall. And it needs to have a radius on it so the mob can clean that stuff out. Some people just take tile and cut them in half and it's a right angle. Health departments come by and say, what's with that? It said in the code book, radius coved base oh, they didn't make radius cove base for my tile. And the health department said, I don't care. So they had to tear it out and put it in, which was, you know, unfortunate. So make sure you get that. Now you start putting in the equipment, so that's ready for equipment. Now you got a bunch of stainless, white, brown quarry tile floors. And you wonder why the interior designers don't love this stuff. They got so many choices. You got stainless, and you got white, and maybe different colored floor. It's kind of boring. Now the front of the house, they love this stuff. Look at all the colors; just pop. Now, after you get your supplies delivered, it's kind of like Wizard of Oz. Look, we've got we got blue soap, we got blue tape, and blue towels. So that's well coordinated. A little red syrup label with some red tape here. So it's it's, it's not bad. All right. Big problem people have is lack of storage. Who's got a two car garage? Wish you had a three. Yup. Eight foot ceilings. Refrigerator, milk cooler, their work table basically is full of boxes. And the floor has product on it. Health department comes in, you can't clean the floor. You need to do something with this. You got trouble, you don't even have a place to work. One of the solutions, you know, look at all the stuff. Boxes and juices and coffee and mixes. People don't realize how much stuff shows up on day one of a coffee shop. So a way you can solve it, if there's time, is go hide with your ceilings in the back room. So 12-foot ceilings, but in order to put shelves up on the wall, i got to put plywood backing in there. So on the studs, there's a sheet of plywood where I need the shelves, then the sheetrock, then the FRP. So when I go through it, that screw is in the plywood. I could sleep on this shelf. The bracket won't come out, but, you know, the screws won't come out, but the bracket will probably break the welds. But it will certainly hold all your paper goods and everything else. So all these, there's four screws to every bracket, and those go in the plywood, those are solid. But if you don't get plywood back there and you start using those little plastic toggles, you'll wish you had done that. So that's when they're installed. Now it's full of stuff. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and they, they cut the box open, and like this, cut the box open and you go up and get a three foot step stool so I'm 6 foot, now I'm 9 foot, now I'm touching the 12 foot ceiling. And I just reach up there, I grab a sleeve of cups, I go out and put them up in the service bar. I'm not going to put this big box of bottled water juice up here. I'm going put the light stuff up there. If I drop a sleeve of cups, no one even hears it. Can't hurt you. But that's what takes up lots of space. So... Let's pretend I've got a 19 foot 6 kitchen and I got 8 foot ceilings. I got my 3 compartment sink. These are mounted about 5 foot. This is at 6 foot 6 off the floor here, 8 foot ceiling. Okay, so I got a little bit of shelving here. But now if I go up to a 10-foot ceiling, I just added virtually 19, 20 linear feet of shelving by just going up two feet. And remember, this is only on half of the kitchen. I got the other half, too, so I'm doubling that. 12-foot ceilings, now I've just added on that wall alone 40 linear feet. On that side, the other side might have 40, but the tall refrigerators, freezers will intercept some of this. So if you're looking at a space and it's got a drop-in, lay-in ceiling tile, get a step stool or a ladder and go up there and ask the landlord, I want to see how what's up there in the back area where maybe this is your kitchen service area. Because to raise that grid up is not very expensive if you don't have Sprinkler system, you're going to have to change the ceiling tiles anyhow because they're probably not vinyl. And if I have less shelving on the floor, I bring it up high, I get more tables and chairs. This makes you money, people, not this stuff. So how do we do the flow? They walk in the front door, have them pass some retail, some impulse, gift basket, bag of coffee, um, hats, mugs, come up to the display case, they're standing there, they're looking at the blueberry muffin, they say, I'll have a house blend large and the blueberry muffin, no, 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 not that one, the big one right there, okay. Okay, that's 6.95, they pay for it, off to the condiment counter. So I got the menu board back here, they come in, they order. Now, somebody comes in and orders two lattes and a couple bagels, they come in, get their bagels, pay for it, but they're picking it up down here. The longer the lead time it takes to get the customer their product, the further from the front door I want them to pick it up. Back in the day, everybody wanted the espresso machine right up front and center. So everybody's waiting for their espresso drink, and there's people coming in, they're coming in, coming in, and there's eight, ten people right in front of them. They turn around and leave. Okay? If these people are down here waiting, this area needs to be moving. If I need a bottle of water, if I need a yogurt, if I need a muffin or a house blend large, it's quick. They're moving. These people are used to waiting because they know that the, the espresso drinks take longer. The other mistake people make is they put the condiment counter somewhere in here, on the front counter. Now, Bob comes every day, but he's getting to be kind of a pain, because he buys his house blend large, grabs a sugar packet, tears it at a 45 degree angle, and starts to drizzle it with a clockwise motion. And Then he takes a stir stick, stirs it really fast, three taps, grabs the sugar packet again, drills it again, three tabs, and people are leaving. Because he's, he's shutting it down, he blocked everything. So get the condiment counter off the front counter. Let them go do their thing over there. Employees need to work from front to back, not linear. So, I'm at three foot six aisle. It's like this. Hello, sir. You'd like a house blend large? Shuffle step. Three and a half feet. Can't tell you how many people said, oh no, 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 no. Five foot. I need five feet. I'm out here. House blend large? Extra step? Another foot and a half that just came out of your seating and your retail. And the employee has to take an extra step every single time for 10 years. Every, every time. Okay? And they go, well, they're all going to run into each other. <laughs> okay? If I'm working here all by myself, I can't run into anybody, right? Now I got two people. I got one here doing the coffee, the pastry, the bottled water juice, the cash. And I got a barista over here doing that, maybe jump onto the smoothies. Lunchtime or breakfast sandwiches, I got somebody over here, I got one, two, three. You get slamming, you put a cashier there that never moves. They're just the quarterback barking it out. Okay? So let's make, let's make a smoothie the wrong way. Strawberry smoothie, large, got it. Cup. Ice. Bridge. there you go yeah I ran up and down the counter you ever follow somebody because you think you're gonna get your product quicker you follow the employee you do that don't you so I'm running and then we got we got the football player on this side he's running and it's just it's just a mess Okay, so you want to set this up in stations where if I'm making a smoothie right here, I can open the door, get the product, get the ice, syrups, whatever, blend it. I got cups right here. I can make a smoothie with my feet in cement boots. So set up stations so it's efficient, people know where to order, pick up. Here, this one's in Iowa, they walk in, We see retail, the bakery case, the menu board, the cash register, the espresso, the sandwiches. So they're all working the same direction. Because if they have to go backwards to pick up, they're going right into the people that are coming in. And the more people you put at that order point, they might turn around if they don't have time. It's confusing. Design it for efficiency. Again, this is early 90s. I didn't pick the color, folks, but I heard orange is back in. So behind the counter, I got cash, espresso, sandwiches. That's the front counter. We got some retail merchandising. I got workstations. So somebody working the the pastry case, the cash. I got to-go lids. I got in-house china. I got bags. I got flatware. I got espresso, brewers, grinders, dipper wells. I got an under-counter microwave. They want to heat up a pastry, a little drawer with a trash in it so that when I'm done brewing, I take that brew basket, just dump it in, push the drawer back in. I'm not running around with a hot, drippy brew basket. I got cups for the cold cups. Here's the blender station. So they're in stations. little soup salad sandwich station. So this is in your hand. I won't spend too much time with it, but That's how much space is taken up with a typical 1,500 square footer. It's in your handout. When you calculate your number of seats, find out what the customer area is and divide it by about 20. That'll get you your your seat count. Building code will divide it by 15 to figure out how many parking and restrooms you need. So there, I divide them up, restrooms, service counters, kitchen, uh, employee areas. That's in your handout, too. It's about how many seats you get. Again, there's no couches. But you got some soft seating combinations. Now, watch what happens as I grow the square footage. All I did was move that wall out, and I added 100% seating. You do not need more three compartment sink, ice machine, refrigerator, mop sink, if I have 20 seats, 30 seats, 40 seats. If you need more deliveries, I'm sure the food vendor would love to deliver twice a week, three days a week. I mean, as long as you're buying stuff and you're moving people out the door, they'll deliver it every hour. So there's that fine line between paying all this rent and construction costs for restrooms, this back of the house area is extremely expensive build-out. But that's just carpet, lights, and furniture. So that fine line where I'm just going to have people walk in and leave, or I want them to stay a little bit longer and have meetings and groups, that's something you kind of have to deal with you know, internally. But I see a lot of 15 to 1,800 square foot coffee shops. And I much rather have a 30 by 50, than a 15 by 100. 15 by 100 is a bowling alley. Okay, and it's just gonna be one big long line where here you can spread people out around the windows, etc. How long does it take? I say about a month to put together the plans, make revisions, run it by the maybe initially with the health department, general contractor bids. But this is the one people forget about. When the plans are done, They'll sit at the health department for a month, waiting for your turn to come up. And people don't anticipate that. So you're doing marketing, employee hiring, food vendor selection, whatever. But you got to get that stuff in early. Don't sit on that. Contractor, plumber, electrician. Six weeks to build it out. They've got the permit in their hand. All systems go... If they've done restaurant work, please don't hire Bob Cousin that does houses. Don't hire the contractor that does commercial, but the commercial is a bunch of, you know, retail gondolas at Macy's. You better know the health codes. You better know what quarry tile floor and radius cove base and FRP and vinyl ceilings and grease traps. Because... Too many people have thought that, uh, we can figure this out, and it, it was a headache. Then give him two weeks to make the final installation. Now that he, all that equipment shows up, he's got to hook up the ice machine and the hand sinks and the espresso equipment and give yourself a little bit of stocking training time. So that's 16 weeks, four months. If everything's going well and people know what their jobs are and what they're doing, so that's four months, and I can't tell you how many times people sign leases because the landlord gave them three months free rent. They signed it, and they thought three months was an eternity. All summer. How could I not do this? We built a house in two months. This is just a little 1,500-square-foot coffee shop. You yeah, you didn't have all these, these codes and lots of plumbing, electrical, et cetera. So any landlords here, leasing agents, building owners? So, just shout out, if you went to go sign a lease, how many months of free rent should you ask the landlord for? A year. A year. Anybody else? One year going once? Yeah, you'd like that. Come on, realistically now, no landlord's probably going to give you a year, so you go over. Three months? Now I took. it's taking you four. I'm telling you, you won't do it in three. Five? All right, at the last show, person says, forever, free rent forever. <laughs> I went, you, you voted for Bernie Sanders, didn't you? <laughs> that was in Nashville. All right, takes four months. So being the math teacher I am, I'm going to go to the landlord and say, you've offered me three months free rent, and I was at a show, and that's not enough. I want two months of free rent. I don't want four, I don't want your three, I'm going to take two. I did teach math. Look at, you're looking at me like, are you, what, where did you go last night? What time did you get home? Two months of free rent, but, because they might not give you four or five, but the two months of free rent starts when the contractor's got the building permit in his hand, or her hand. Okay. Because I told you, right here, this six weeks and those two weeks are almost like clockwork. We've done a thousand projects and I'm telling you, when they got the permit, it runs. This is the ugly stuff. Building health codes, architect stamps, blah, 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 getting the bids, financing, whatever. So, now I've got the landlord is not going to get a dime of my money for two months after I get... The permit, he owns seven properties in town. He knows the mayor, the governor, the building inspector, his kids go to school, and he probably is someone I want on my side. So now he's helping me. You know, Sam, you know I'm going to take care of the, the little widget thing out there that, you know, you can't be holding up this. Where do you think I'm going to go? Leave town? You know, I got too much invested here. And I'm not gonna not do it because next time I come in here, you'll you'll you know, you're gonna really chew me out. So the landlord on your side to help get that issues with the landlord done or the building inspector is great. So try that. Benefits. You want to lower your labor costs by making it efficient, like we talked about on those counters. You need to be so efficient that those customers like you more than somebody else. Because you get them through the line. You want to maximize tables, chairs, and retail. So what's the dollar value? Let's just say instead of running it with four people, I ran it with three employees. And at the end of the year, I just handed myself a check for one employee. 20, 25 grand? I'd take that for a little, little, little bonus, year end bonus. If I had 100 customers that came in every single day, Monday through Friday, to get their coffee and their, their, their pastry and go to work, and that's just, it was just like clockwork. That was a routine. If you screw up those 100 customers, all right, and now they're going to find somebody else because you just just not it's not working for them. That's 25,000 transactions a year, 100 people every day. Your job is to steal those 100, or 200, or 500 regular customers from your competition by making you better than they are. Go up high with the ceilings, not the big aisles. You know, line things up efficiently. Now I get eight more seats in this cafe, you know, I've got 38 and you only got 30. Same square footage, I bet they're going to make more money. Maybe add some more retail. So. Those little things can turn into dollars that you don't really know about. Mistakes. Building and health codes, people, don't sign that lease until you put together an initial floor plan. You will find things out you wish you had known. The electrical panel, the parking, the ADA restrooms, the fire exit. Because if you sign the lease, our nice little landlord is going to say, Sorry, I didn't know. Your clock's ticking. You better figure it out. Because when he gets paid and you're not open, that's not good. And I'm talking three months, four months, five months. If I had the money people paid landlords rent and they weren't open, I'd probably be on the beach somewhere right now with little umbrella drinks. It's, it's scary. So don't let that happen. And the way you do it is you start your planning process before you sign the lease, or certainly when you have a letter of intent, so you get that wheel turning and find out things. Now I go to the landlord and said, look, I love this spot, and they love you too. Can you tell me one retail spot that is the most ideal for a landlord that's got a strip center than a coffee shop? Open from 5, 6 in the morning until 10 at night? Who else does that? Okay? Okay. So they want you, remember that, as much as you might want them. So if you get down to the final deal and you say, you know, I need two restrooms and I need to bump up that electrical panel. I'm ready to sign that five year lease, but you pay for it. You pay for the electrical panel and you pay for that second restroom. Because if I move across the street or I get transferred to another state, I can't take that electrical panel off the wall and put it in my suitcase. Nor would I want to, not to mention the plumbing fixtures. That's theirs. You can take your espresso machine, your brewer, your ice machine, but you're not taking the bathroom, the panel, and the HVAC, so it's theirs. Get them to pay for it if you can. Now, that might mean, okay, if I do that, it's going to cost you 22 bucks a square foot instead of 20 That might be worth it. Let them be the bank. But it's, it's equity in their pocket that you're paying for. Make sure they're efficient, we talked about that. Incomplete plan, so the guy shows up with his beautiful three-group you know, $15,000 espresso machine. It gets delivered, they put it on the counter. Contractor comes over, plumber, we're ready to go. Let's get this thing hooked up. We gotta get this thing training. Look under the counter, oops, no floor drain. Espresso machine needs a floor drain. There's no floor drain here. Plumber says, let me take another look. Oh, nope, no, I got it. We're good, we're good, no problem. Don't need a floor drain because there's no water. <laughs> Oops. Contrary, what is going on? He goes, I gave you all the specs. Yeah, they're all in Italian. I have no clue what that is. You know, guy comes over, puts the brewer on the back counter. Goes, where's my water line? Oh, I thought it was one of those pour-overs. You know, like we do at the churches, you know, pour over? No water line, and then they got the water line. Oh great, this guy's got the water line. Is it filtered? No. So, make sure the people putting together your plans, restaurant equipment, spell it out for the contractor so they know exactly where the outlet is. 120, 208, three phase, filtered, non-filtered. Is the outlet above the counter? Or is it below the counter? You don't want all your outlets above. And you don't want all your outlets below. You want your whole counter to look like Swiss cheese? You know, you can put the you know, water lines and brewers above the counter. No one's gonna see them because they're right behind the brewer. But the under counter refrigerator better have an outlet back there. All right? So, our little deal is design it right so you build it once. You don't want to undo stuff. It costs money. And it is a puzzle. But It does work. And it's important, folks, to fill out these evaluations because there are people that have done seminars for SCA that have been voted off the island. <laughs> they just had a little bit too much while going on or trying to sell you a timeshare or who knows what. So it's important to fill those out. Comments are great. They read every one of them, and they return them back to us so that we can be better, and the people before you made it better. So kind of pass it along. Now, we have a booth, 800. It's right in the main door where you register, immediately to the left, right in front there. If you have questions that you think about here at the show, come down. If you have a plan you want to look at, bring it down. Our email address, phone number is on the handout. Call me next week, say, hey, you know, I, I, I forgot what you said. Can you, you know, feel free to do that? And right now, if anyone has any questions, I would be happy to stay here as long as they've got them. And if not, best of luck. Thank you very much. And if you got a question, just raise your hand and we'll get her going. Thank you. good question. He wants to know, if I have a ceiling above the prep area, it needs to be smooth and cleanable. Does it matter what the height is? No. I've had 20-foot ceilings that are cleanable. Yep. Um, I have a question about uh, throughput for a coffee house. So, um, how do
0: you feel about having your POS system and then your espresso bar, and then you have a bar and Got got, you know,
1: I'm not sure if I'm following. But. So
0: you have
1: your Oh, oh got it. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, hmm. the question is you've got you know, retail pastry, cash register. Then you have the barista espresso counter, and some people put bars in front of them. Seats to sit like we did in that. If the more space you have, linearly, that works. But if it's tight, and all of a sudden I've got to get the, if you want them to pick up their espresso drinks at the end of the bar, beyond the seats, because if there's five people sitting at the bar, I can't reach through and deliver my drinks. So now it's cash register. Pick up espresso. That's not good because I just backed it up because I didn't move. I can't move until I get this. So the barista, the cashier, they got to be a little extroverted and say, hey, John, come on down here. I'm going to help you over here and drag them, you know, because if you got three people sitting there, you can't even take anybody's money at that point. Well, that far. I mean, the more space, I mean, would I? Put three bar stools there. Just three of them, though? I mean, sometimes, yeah, I mean, yes. But putting two bar stools there, you only get two seats. And sometimes that two seats might be good. Or you bring them out in the slow times. And when it's slammed in the morning, put the bar stool somewhere else as an option. But get them to go behind. Because I don't think you want to be delivering drinks through people at bars. I go front door, impulse retail, bakery case, cash, espresso pickup. So the opposite, not yeah. the door and the Correct. You do not want people waiting between the door and the cash register. Get them as far away from that as you can. So that all the people waiting, I can see that door and there's a clear shot for customers. So I want their money. They have an easy access. If there's eight people they have to get through to give me money, they might not want to. They'll turn around. But if all those people there, I've already got their money, get them all out of the way, let them come in, get their money, then now I can just hand them their house-brewed coffee and they're gone. They're happy. If they need a custom-made sandwich or a smoothie, they're down there and I got the next one. Because you don't know what they're ordering. So if it's quick, you want to be able to get them and get them out. Does that help? Others? I got a picture and I got some brochures here. I got a picture of a bar that, that kind of explained that. Yes?
0: You touched on the parking spot requirements, uh, and I'm sure it changes as yeah, on uh, Is there a rule of thumb for, is it based on the retail square footage, or is it based on seats, or is it based on the entire square footage space? And, is there like a general thing we do?
1: The question is, how does the building inspector determine parking, all right? So let's say you have 1,500 square feet, and I've got 30 seats in there. And you look up the code, and the code says, anything, you know, I need X number of spots per five customers, okay? And you go, okay, how do you determine occupancy? Is it the number of my 30 seats? And the answer sometimes is yes, but they've been cheated. That you put 20 in and a week later he comes down and there's 35. So now they get onto that and they say it's based on the square footage of the customer area. So they'll take from the cash register to the front door and they'll divide it by 15. That's the occupancy of your customers. Now you will add about every 100 square feet for the service areas, and about for every 200 square feet equals a body in the storeroom. Okay, so that's kind of figure, divide your, you know, the customer walks by 15 and then add three or four for your employees. Okay? I've had projects where, I mean, this is a great question. I mean, it happens all the time, and people don't they have to internalize what you asked. I've got a big spot, and he's got lots of retail, big, comfy chairs, stage, etc. And his seat count was like about 45. His occupancy load was 88. They made him put in a third fixture. All right? And he goes, are you crazy? If I got, let's say I got... 40 seats and I got occupancy at 80, when I have 40 seats, I'm full when I've got 32, 33 people in there. I don't fill every seat in the house. I'm not an airline in a year in advance putting butts in these seats. So now I'm down to, let's say, 35 at best. And you're my occupancy is 88. Can you tell me what these 50 people are doing in my cafe? Walking around, waiting for a seat. I'll oh, take that one. It makes no sense. And the building inspectors say, I just make the rules. I don't enforce them, but I don't think it makes sense either. And you're kind of stuck. (laughs) You have not know what to argue with. It's like a
0: potential
1: for capacity. Oh, yeah, because they figure that if I've got 30 people sitting down, I might, you know, go to a cafe and they've got 10 standing up. So, and then at what point, you know, if it's fixed seating, meaning it's not movable, then they start counting the seats, but I don't think there's too many cafes that are putting a table bases, drilling them into the floor. So that,
0: that, that's. If you have 600 square feet of retail seating space, you may just divide that by 15, and that's how many customer spaces
1: you have.
0: Yep. And then you divide the service space by 100, and the store space by
1: 15. Yep. That's general rule. It's fairly. The 15, I've not heard anything different than 15. Yeah. But when you want to try and figure out how many seats am I going to get in here, divide it by 20 because that accounts for some of these aisles. Cool. Others? Yes, sir. Uh, what's the best
0: method to find a contractor that is to your
1: service? I like it. What's the best way to find a contractor? Number one, if they allow it, ask the building inspector, hey, I'm new to this. Could you recommend any, and they're not supposed to, but they have, they, they won't say, use John, my neighbor, but they say, here's three or four of them that have done restaurants, and they, do, they know me, they know what to do, and they know how to do it. That can work. Number two is go visit every food service operation that's similar to yours, or even bigger, and say, hey, you know, go to a different, you know, somewhere that's not a competitor. You know, The deli might not be, or the pizza place might not be a competitor, of course. Who did you use to do the plumbing, electrical, general contract build-out? And if you can somehow get the same name popping up three or four times, you're good. Because I can't tell you how many owners say, I'd never use that so-and-so again. Because it just didn't work. Now, ask the owner who was the project manager on the job with ABC Construction. Because I've had, I've in locally in Minnesota, I've referred them to ABC Construction. And I said, how's it going? They said, not really good. I don't know why you put them on your list. I go, Sam is fabulous. Who's Sam? We got Bob. Oh, I don't know who Bob is. So you're only as good as the project manager that's running the job. And if you go to a restaurant, you love the restaurant because the wait staff, waiter, waitress is great. But the next person's just a knucklehead, screwed up the order. Same restaurant, you just got the wrong person. The third, the landlord, leasing agent probably has somebody on staff. The the contractor maybe built the building, and don't get swindled into this deal where they said, well, they'll do all the build out. They can do everything. You know, they know the building. They know they have the plans, they just built it. Fine, we'd love to have them give us an estimate and a bid. But do not think that how could it get any better than that? Because they're used to building buildings, not finishing out a kitchen. And a lot of times, more often than not, their bids were like twice. What the, 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 maybe a little bit smaller firm that does restaurants. So those are three. But, yes, ma'am. Uh, I'd just like to reiterate your comment about
0: not using an architect. Because I used an architect and he just got everything wrong. In fact, I owe him money and he waived the bill because he made so many mistakes.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have got to
0: use somebody who like, knows
1: how to plan for sure. her, her comment was that she had trouble with her architect that waived the fees because they screwed it up. Now, you need an architect in a lot of towns. If you don't have an architect stamp on those plans, you're not getting the permit. I can't do that. I'm not an architect. I'm not licensed to do that. But our plans given to an architect that filled in all the stuff that they typically don't do and then let them do this stuff and the, the code stuff. I'm glad you brought it up. Here's what I would do. Find someone that does coffee shops and puts the plans together. Get that to a two or three general contractors, and say, here's what I'm planning on doing. I'd like to get a bid from you. They got references, you checked them out, you went to the other cafes. Anything else you need to get me open, it's in your bid. So if the contractor knows the city, they know what's required, and how much Sally or, or Mary requires, that they have to now go get the architect to work with them to get the thing built. You don't need any licensed person to do the ceiling lights. Go to the college. Say, hey, you know, I'm doing a coffee shop. Is there someone here that's in marketing or, or interior design to give it the look because these people get it? Have a contest and have five of them submit something and give them you know, free coffee for a year. I mean, there's ways to get the interior look done, but when it comes to the, the, the getting the permit, if the contractor is the one in charge, he will go find the architect that owes him a favor. Because architects have drawn things on occasion, everybody does and makes an oops. And the contractor fixed it for him. So now he says, Sam, I'm doing this, I really need this bid here, it's great, it's right nearby, it fits in between job A and B. Give, you know, I need your help on this one. to get you know, Just do what you need to do to get through Sam at the city. So now the contractor's in charge, and he's got his partner. If you go into Google search, yellow pages, or whatever, try to find an architect to do a little bit of work. And I'm saying a little bit of work. All they need to do is stamp the plans, you know, to to do the code analysis, the the parking, the zoning, the fire exiting. To do a little bit of work for a little bit of money, people have just about pulled their hair out. Because it's hard. Because first of all, their prices are extremely high because there's liabilities and blah, blah, blah. And they're wonderful, I'm not, I'm not knocking them, but there's so much frustration with the new person that hasn't been through this, they don't know what's coming until it's too late. So contractor, find the best contractor and say, you, you, you can get the, con, the architect, you can get this thing in the city, then do it. And now all you have to do is figure out what colors you want, what kind of lights. That's the fun stuff. That's the stuff you guys want to be spending time doing. The menu board, the logos, and not trying to figure out what the occupancy load is. <laughs> good, good. Others? Yes.
0: You showed the image of the, um, the front of house expanding.
1: Yes. And the back house thing the
0: same. And this, the cafe we run right now, the more we've grown, well, we've had to create back-of-house space for preparing food and stuff like that. Maybe that's because it was under design to start off with or we didn't design for the future. But is there a ratio, like a, like a golden ratio mm-hmm. for back-of-house space to front-of-house space that you want to shoot for? A certain amount of square footage can serve a certain amount of square footage most efficiently.
1: So the question is, on that slide where we kind of grew the front of the house but the kitchen stayed the same, his scenario is that as he's grown, he's had to... Expand his back of the house and whether that was it wasn't there to begin with. I tell people if you think you're going to do sandwiches down the road, all right, or you think you're going to do par baked items down the road, you think you might add a dishwasher down the road, put it in the plan, don't buy the appliance, but put the plumbing electrical in there. You think you might do ice cream down the road, have you know, 27 inches, 48 inches of counter space that's easily removed. That, that can go in there. It's got the floor drain and the water. So a lot of times on the front end, if the person's kind of asking those questions, what you might do down the road can help. It's always nice to have extra shelving. Let's just say that a refrigerator is 27 inches wide. So I put a 30-inch shelving unit there. Okay, I've got an outlet behind it. So if I need more freezer space or more milk space because the deliveries aren't as often, or I'm going through it so quick I can't get through the weekend, I can put an upright refrigerator and take the shelving away. Very easily. It's all set up. Now, you can always find someplace to store cups and lids at your house. I didn't say that. But you can't be, you know, put a commercial refrigerator and start hauling milk back and forth, but you can bring you know, six sleeves of 16, 20-ounce So the shelving is always the thing that gets squeezed, but by going up, you can get that extra refrigeration. So people grow, and people change menus, and people are adding cold brew. How do I fit this in? People are saying, I need to do sandwiches. I need to do beer and wine. you got to find the space. And what happens in five years? I don't even know what might be the new thing to put in there. So if you think right now you might do it, find a placeholder a home for it, and shelving is cheap and easy to get rid of. Kind of help, but it's a good question. I don't know if I answered it that well. Others? Yes. I just got a
0: comment um I've opened seven stores, um, and I've seen that it's nice to have extra outlets for it, and another would say that it's super automatic, or a, an espresso machine, or another plan ahead of time. If you're going to grow so in five years, you know, don't buy a second espresso machine yet, but have it ready and you build them. So, when the time is much cheaper to get a contractor later and make that additional, and then give you an operation, you have to move everything out. So, do it right
1: first. Mm-hmm. Good point. He's saying that maybe you need a second brewer. Put the outlet and the water line there, so basically it's just set it on the counter and you got a little bit of room. Second espresso equipment station is a little tougher with the drains and the refrigerator, the cups, the knock box, the grinders. So most people can't afford, not maybe money-wise, but afford five feet of dedicated future barista. Now what would be on that that you could remove to put it there? That, it's, it's a tough deal. And then maybe it's super automatic, so a bit, little bit narrower. Or we put two machines on the front counter, a couple, two, that's a good debate. Some people say, I want redundancy. Other people say, you know, I've got the parts and pieces. And if you want to be redundant on the espresso, redundant the brewer, redundant the ice machine, and pretty soon you've got two cafes full of stuff, things will break. And the best advice is when you open this thing, have the business card of the refrigeration guy, okay, and your espresso guy, and a plumber. That's all you need. So that employee at 5 o'clock on a Friday, you're out of town, can look up there, the refrigerator's not working. They call ABC, commercial refrigeration. They come out, you know, five-year compressor warranties, one or two-year parts and labor. But it's refrigeration, it's plumbing, and it's all the espresso. We, and that guy, local, sometimes, will come out and do the service call 24-7 or whatever. So... Things break, but there's a point where you can redundancy the thing to death for the once a year that it dies at the wrong time or twice. I don't know what the average, what that is. I'm just throwing that out. And by doing that, every single day of the year, for every customer that walks in your shop, is hampered because you made something redundant. So what do you want to weigh it out? You want to weigh out the, the, the two, three times a year that you've got a breakdown. It really causes trouble versus the 365 times, Yeah, you can't be down. I don't got no coffee, you know. But there's a point where if you did it, it screws up the normal operation. You don't want that. Some people, okay, I've got my machine here. I want to be redundant. Go buy a two-group on sale or, or whatever. Stick it in your garage and you can bring it down there or bring it out from the back. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm. So let's say you
0: look at a space that is in a traditional retail location, hasn't, hasn't previously been. There's no, it's an no old building, it's got characters, not hasn't previously been a food service operation. So you got to put in retrofit and all that stuff. Let's say you can, you can meet all these requirements for parking, fire access, all that stuff. But there's no rear delivery entrance, right? There's only the front entrance. Do mm-hmm. you think that's a deal killer? No.
1: Deliveries come in? No. no. No, no, no. Um, question is I got an ideal location. There's only one front door, meets the parking, fire exit codes, et cetera. Is that a deal, Color, to have everything come through the front door? Absolutely not. I mean, I've got people that, that there might be a back door, but that's a drive through. The truck can't get there anyhow. If you can arrange with the people that deliver products, saying, look, I only got a front door. I don't want you coming through here at 9 a.m. They said, I'm sorry, you're on the route, and that's when we hit you. What can I do to get you to come at 6 or at 2? So you can negotiate that before you sign the contract. Maybe, and here's what happens. The food truck shows up. He's got boxes of the milk and the cups and the lids and blah, blah, blah. He puts it on a two-wheeler, all right? And he goes. Goes in the back room. Pushes them off the, the, the two wheeler, says sign here, six cases. Not a big deal. Yeah. It's just not, you know, if you had to do that twice, you know, if you could, but the other thing about the back door is okay, now you got trash. Well, that goes out at the end of the day, let's say. Um, you got back door, sometimes people don't want the back door because now the last employee in there, if the door's not locked, or you have a less than perfect employee that uses a back door, things go out the back door. So there's, there's a lot of reasons why, if you didn't have to, not have a back door. takes up three feet, why, you know, what good is it? But yes, people, it's in a mindset. I gotta have the deliveries, I gotta have the trash. No, you don't.
0: It's nice to hide all that stuff from the customer
1: experience. Not pull all if it's, if it's, yes, go ahead. I've got that situation right now, and the deliveries come through the
0: front door. Um, it, Here
1: you go. Oh, thank
0: you. Um, the deliveries do come through the front door, but it's not, it hasn't become a nuisance. And there are times that we've got a lying out, literally out the door. But um, we, have to, we have actually two doors in the front. Um,
1: and they just, they'll walk in, they know straight to go to the back, put it back there, leave it there, we sign for it, and they're gone. It does not create any kind of, it, it, there's no bad feelings from anybody. They get it,
0: it's just, it we're a small business, so, yeah. Um, yeah, because we don't—we have a back door, but there's, it's, it's a grassy area, so we can't get deliveries.
1: All right. Well, I'll be down at Booth six hundred. Um, you've got emails, phone numbers. Feel free to uh, call or stop down. Thank you again for attending.
0: You've been listening to a talk from the SCA Lectures podcast series. To hear more on topics relevant to the specialty coffee industry, visit www.scanews.coffee and subscribe to this lecture series. Thanks for listening.